0: Good morning, and good morning, good morning, and welcome to Alliance Christian Fellowship. Uh, If you're new, if you're joining us here for the first time, a special welcome to you. My name is Dan Min, and uh, I serve as the pastor here at ACF, and it's my joy to be worshiping with the family of God here on the campus of Penn State. Glad you're here. I'm going to put this mic down here for one second. Um, Once again, if you're joining us here for the first time, um, first of all, big welcome. We're glad you're here. But secondly, we... uh, Here at ACF, we kicked off a brand new teaching series just a couple of weeks ago called The Kingdom Way, The Kingdom Way, and if you missed any of these messages, you can catch them on our website or subscribe to our podcast, and you can be all caught up that way, and so don't feel like you're stepping into the middle of a movie and not knowing what's going on. We want you to be caught up, and so you can do that that way, but for the last couple of weeks, we've been spending some time in the opening lines of Jesus's most famous sermon. The Sermon on the Mount and the Kingdom Way. The series is a series, a teaching series based out of this single sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. There's a ton packed in here, but but for the last several weeks, and and we're going to continue on in that here today. We've been just looking at the first few opening lines of Jesus' sermon on the Mount. There's so so much even in the in the opening lines that we can unpack, and and we're going to continue on by looking into the Beatitudes of Jesus now. If you're new to church, if you're new to Bible uh, you know, and, and Christianity, and you're not sure what the Beatitudes are, the Beatitudes are simply a series of statements that Jesus makes that indicates for us as his followers, hey, I want to teach you a new way to live. That's essentially what Jesus is trying to teach us here in the Beatitudes, but also in the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. This is Jesus coming on the scene and saying, I I want to teach you not only a new way to live, but actually a better way to live. There is actually a better way to live, a more blessed way to live. In fact, as I said, the entire Sermon on the Mount is hinged on this notion of Jesus trying to teach his listeners and his followers this new and better way to live. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways to better my life, right? Anyone with me? You're always looking for ways to better your life and improve the quality of your life. I'm always on the hunt for different kinds of life hacks to, to improve the quality of my life and to, to make my life uh, uh, better in many ways. I'm always drawn to these articles. You know, I'm a list junkie, right? I'm drawn to lists. And, and so anytime I see a list that says five ways to do x y and z better i'm always clear i don't even care if i know the first step of doing this better i want to do better i don't know you know how to knit better i don't care about knitting but i want to i want to be better you know and and how to become a better you fill in the blank right i'm always looking for ways to better my life now friends maybe you're like me in this way you're like yeah yeah I, i want to better my life Friends, I I would suggest to you, forget about all the life hacks that you see on BuzzFeed and Pinterest and and lifehacks.com. You want to tune in to what Jesus has to say in his Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me now to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to spend some time looking at the words of Christ here. And when it comes to bettering our lives, Jesus has a specific idea in mind of how we can actually improve the quality of our lives, how we can acquire this blessed life that I know many of us are in the pursuit of. So Matthew chapter five, if you don't have a Bible here, just go ahead and raise your hand. We'll have some folks coming around and they can get a Bible to you. If you don't personally own a copy of the Bible, consider this our gift to you. We, We say this every week. We want every single person within our church family to own a Bible. We want not only own a Bible, but we actually want you to read the Bible because we believe that God's word is the foundation for all Christian living. And so if you are following along with us in these Bibles, we're on page 809, at the bottom of page 809. We'll also put the text up here on the screen for you to look along with us. Matthew chapter five, and we're gonna pick up from verse one. And this is where Jesus is is starting his ministry, and he starts his ministry by preaching this phenomenal, incredibly profound sermon. And so pick me up at, at Matthew chapter five, starting from verse one. Hear the word of the Lord, this is what it says. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he began to teach them by saying, and he opens up the Sermon on the Mount with these words, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Friends, today I want to focus our time by looking at verses 7 and 8. We looked at the first four Beatitudes already. And today I want to spend just a few moments addressing two specific characteristics of the kingdom way. And that is mercy and purity, mercy and purity. Now, I have a confession to make, friends. I don't know about you, but there are many moments in my life where I feel mercy deficient and purity deficient. I I don't know if you're tracking with me, but, but there are many moments in my life where I just feel I, my mercy tank is low. My purity tank is running on fumes. I don't know if anyone can relate with me on that way because the truth of the matter is this. I feel mercy deficient most of the time because most of the time, I'm just not a very merciful person. I mean, just, just to be honest with you, I'm just not a very merciful person. Listen, if, if someone does me wrong, my natural instinct and my natural response is not to extend mercy. It's not. It's not. My natural response in those moments is, how can I figure out how to hurt this person more than they hurt me? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but, but I wonder if there are any folks in here, any heathens that are like me in this way, right? I, I know I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm supposed to be a pastor, a man of the cloth, but I'm just being honest with you. Mercy oftentimes in my life is at a deficiency. And when it comes to purity, can I just be honest with you? This has been a lifelong struggle in many ways in my life. Specifically when it comes to the area of sexual purity, this has always been something that I've had to fight for. It never came easy for me, you know, and and, and maybe for many of you, maybe not all of you, I acknowledge that this might not be your battle to fight your dragon to slay, But I wonder if there are many of us in this room that says, Dan, I am with you, brother man. Purity, specifically in the area of sexual purity, is not something that comes easy for me. I have to fight for it. In fact, many days, it feels like a constant struggle. Many days, it feels like this insurmountable battle, insurmountable mountain to climb, especially for those of you who are trying to follow Jesus and walk in his ways. Pursuing purity is hard. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's just no two ways about it. It's hard. And friends, to that, I would say, I know it's hard. In fact, it's supposed to be hard. None of this stuff is supposed to be easy. You go through the Beatitudes of Jesus from the very top to the very end. None of this is supposed to be easy. Nowhere did Jesus open up his Sermon on the Mount and say, all right, I'm going to give you just a real walk in the park, a real cakewalk. You ready for this? Blessed are the poor in spirit. See how easy is that? Come on, you know, just blessed are those who mourn. Come on, no, the Beatitudes is supposed to be hard, but by God's grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives, my hope, my hope for every single one of you who are here in this place is that you might learn to live with great mercy and pursue purity in your lives as citizens of God's kingdom. You with me? Give me a head nod if you're with me. You're with me this morning? and so my hope is to get to that place by the end of our time and so i want to briefly unpack these two qualities here today starting with mercy the merciful the merciful jesus says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy now it's interesting as i have encountered different christians and different followers of jesus people who identify themselves as as followers of jesus I don't know if you've seen this, but I've found that most Christians live their lives as if Jesus got this statement backwards. You, you ever see these people who are like, you know, I, I don't think that's what Jesus really meant. I, I think this is what he meant, you know? like And, and I see a lot of Christians taking a, a concept like this, the, a beatitude like this, and saying, I think Jesus got it backwards. I think what he meant to say is, blessed are those who receive mercy, right? And for they shall be merciful. He got it backwards. And so consequently, we become people who seek mercy but don't really care to be merciful. We become people who look to receive mercy but don't really care to give it. We say things like, as long as I receive mercy, then I can be merciful. But now if you do me wrong, hold on. Now I have good reason to withhold mercy from you. But on the other hand, if you're good to me, and you're merciful to me, then I can reciprocate and be merciful to you. You see, in a lot of ways, I see this in my own kids. You guys know I have two boys, Jake and Luke. Jake is nine, and Luke is six. And and, and I see this every now and then. When, uh, you know, for instance, we'll go to we'll go to Manhattan and we'll hit up Dylan's candy bar, and they'll stuff their teddy bear plastic thing with all kinds of candy, and they're walking home with their unique teddy bear-filled containers of of candy, right? And, And they get home, and inevitably, one of my boys will ask the other, hey, can I try a piece of your candy? Without hesitation, the response from the other brother will always be, always, without fail, well, I'll let you try mine if you let me what? Try yours. I'll let you try mine if you give me a piece of yours. And now that exchange is entirely based on what I get out of the deal. Now, friends, we don't just see this with kids exchanging pieces of candy. We see this everywhere and around our world. We see this in the corporate world. We see this in the business world. We see this in different relationships in our lives as we approach different people. Oftentimes, with many things in our lives, we're asking the question, so what's in it for me? What's in it for me? There are many times I look, at, I look at the different relationships in my life and different circumstances. I'm always asking the question, what's in it for me? Is it worth it? Is this relationship worth it? Is this interaction worth it? Is this deal worth it? Because I want to know what's in it for me. To put it differently, many of us look for the promise before we even step into the challenge. Now, what do I mean by that? with every beatitude that we've looked at so far, every beatitude comes with these two things. It comes with a promise and it comes with a challenge. Every single beatitude. Blessed are so-and-so, for they shall so-and-so. Every beatitude comes with a promise and a challenge. And for this particular beatitude for today, the challenge that Jesus puts before us is this, will you be merciful? Will you be merciful? By the way, I want you to notice something here with this challenge. This challenge, if you notice, if you look carefully, is not action-based. It's not action-based. It's not, it's not, hey, will you show mercy? Will you extend mercy? The question that is on Jesus' mind when he's presenting this challenge is: will you be merciful? Will you be merciful? The truth is, you can show mercy without being a merciful person. How many of you know that? I've extended mercy before, but I would never define myself as a merciful person. I seek to be that, but that is not my natural disposition. You can show mercy without being a merciful person, but now if you are a merciful person, you will always show mercy where and when it's needed. You see, here's here's why this subtlety is vitally important. Because if you've been tracking with us in this series all along and if you look carefully in the Beatitudes of Jesus, you'll see that every single Beatitude of Jesus is highlighting character-based issues. The Beatitudes is not a series of instructions and commands that Jesus gives us and says, this is what you need to do. If you want to walk in the kingdom way, if you want to live in a kingdom way, this is what you need to do. Jesus isn't necessarily telling us what to do. He's showing us who to become. There's a big difference in Jesus telling us what to do and Jesus telling us who to become. He says, I want you to be poor in spirit. I want you to be mourning. I want you to be meek. I want you to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I want you to be merciful. I want you to be pure in heart. These are character traits. These are not to-do items. Jesus is describing the character of a specific type of person here, a kingdom person. And the big question in Jesus' mind is, will you, church, become this type of person? Will you become this type of person? And that's a challenge with every single one of these Beatitudes. And for this particular challenge, Jesus is asking, will you be a merciful person? The problem, the problem is, for many many of us, We want to bypass the challenge and jump straight to the promise. We want to bypass the challenge and get around the challenge and jump straight to the promise. And we say, well, as long as I receive mercy, I suppose I can be merciful. (laughs) In other words, as long as I get something out of this deal, Jesus, you could count me in. As long as I get something out of this. But listen, friends, I want you to hear me. The kingdom way doesn't work that way. The kingdom way does not work that way. You don't get the product without the process. You don't get the gains without the grind. You don't get the goods without the growth. And you certainly don't get to the promise without stepping through the challenge. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. There's the challenge. And here comes the promise, for they shall receive mercy. Friends, hear me when I say this. Jesus is far more concerned with who you're becoming than what you get out of the deal. Jesus is far more concerned with who you and I are becoming than what you and I get out of this deal of following the words of Jesus. And so if God is asking us to become merciful people, if he's more concerned with us becoming this type of kingdom person, specifically in the area of mercy, let me ask you this, what does this look like? What does a merciful person look like? There's some of you in this room who are like me. You're like, I don't have a merciful bone in my body. Dan, tell me, what does a merciful person look like? Well, let me give you just a quick test. I call this the mercy test, and then we'll jump to pure and hard in just a few moments. If you wanna figure out how can I grow in mercy, how can I grow in becoming a merciful person? Apply this test every once in a while in your life, and it's a series of three questions that I'm gonna to give to you here this morning. This is the mercy test. The first question is this. Do I regularly feel compassion towards those in need? You wanna pause long enough and do some soul searching long enough to ask yourself the question, do I regularly... Not sporadically, not after I watch a Hallmark movie and I'm feeling all sappy, you know, like, do I regularly feel compassion towards those in need? By the way, this is a great test to see if you're growing in spiritual maturity as a whole. You see, if you're growing in spiritual maturity, you should be, I don't like to shit on people, but you should be, okay, you should be growing in likeness to the character of Christ, Part of the distinctive, a part of a, this distinctive character of Christ is compassion. You see, I don't, I don't know if, um, if you've spent some time reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but if you do, oftentimes you'll see Jesus' highlight reel. We will see his highlight reel. What's his highlight reel? He's going around town to town, village to village. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's raising the dead. He's he's setting people free and and freeing people from all kinds of diseases and, and sicknesses, both emotionally and physically. And he's doing all of these things. But if you rewind just a few moments before the highlight reel, if you rewind just a few moments before his big miraculous moments, oftentimes what you'll find the gospel writer's writing is this. And Jesus was moved to deep compassion, and then he did these things. Jesus, when he went to this town, he had great compassion on them, and because of that, he did X, Y, and Z. He performed this miracle. He ministered to these people in this way. You see, Jesus' highlight reel was fueled. It was rooted. It was grounded in deep compassion for the people in need. And because he had compassion towards those in need, he was able to extend the supernatural mercy to these people. Friends, can I suggest something to you this morning? I would suggest that one of the things that this world needs more than ever, more than anything, is supernatural mercy. Supernatural mercy. The kind of mercy that flows out of a deep compassion for people in need. If somehow we're blind to those in need, I would ask ourselves, are we living the kingdom life? Because the kingdom life flowed out of this deep compassion for Jesus towards those who were in need. And so we need to ask ourselves the soul searching question do I regularly feel compassion towards those in need? The second question I want to give to you is this Am I willing to sacrifice self comfort in order to bring comfort? Am I willing to sacrifice self-comfort in order to bring comfort? The truth is this, church. Mercy always comes at a cost. It always comes at a cost. And that cost, more often than not, will be the cost of your self-comfort. Mercy requires us, by very definition, it requires us to inconvenience ourselves for the benefit of someone else. That's what mercy is. If you want to know what mercy is and and sort of have sort of a, a paradigm for mercy, mercy is simply inconveniencing ourselves so that we can better the life of someone else. I mean, isn't that the whole crux of the gospel of Jesus? That Jesus, he more than inconvenienced himself. What Jesus did was he laid down his life for us. He died a brutal death on the cross for us. He shed his blood and broke his body for us. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we sang, church. And folks, I don't know about you, but when I look at that narrative, I would say Jesus did a little more than just slightly inconvenience himself. That's the crux of the gospel. Mercy always comes at a cost, and Jesus, in the most significant way, in the most profound way, sacrificed self-comfort in order to bring you and I eternal comfort. That should blow your freaking minds, that Jesus, the King of heaven, stepped down from his throne, sacrificed his self-comfort in order to bring you and I eternal comfort. Mercy always comes at a cost, and the question is, Are you willing to sacrifice your self-comfort so that you can bring someone else comfort? Now, this brings me to my last and final question on this mercy test. Have I truly experienced the mercy of God on a personal level? Have I truly experienced the mercy of God on a personal level? Here's why this question is important, church. If with the first two questions... Do I regularly feel compassion towards those in need? And am I willing to sacrifice self-comfort in order to bring comfort? If your answer is, Dan, I'm not sure I can answer with a confident yes. In fact, I might have to give a hard no to that. I don't feel regularly compassion towards those in need. I I just don't. I I don't know that I'm willing to sacrifice my self-comfort to bring others comfort. I don't know that I can confidently say that. Well, here's where number three, this third question becomes critical for you. You see, you can talk about mercy all you want, but until you experience the mercy of God on a personal level, it will be extremely difficult to become a truly merciful person. The extent of your mercy only bleeds out of your experience of God's mercy in your life. That's it. You can't be merciful beyond your experience of God's mercy in your life. You can try. You can try, and you're going to keep hitting a wall, but you're going to find it difficult. In fact, I love what our Catholic brothers and sisters pray. They have this prayer that they often pray in their gatherings and their masses and different, different services. Now, obviously, we're not a Roman Catholic church, but there are certain traditions and practices within the Catholic tradition that I've really come to deeply appreciate. And one of those is this prayer that they pray that is often referred to as the Jesus prayer. It's a simple prayer. And the prayer goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In fact, this very sentiment is uttered in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, there's this little short, quick account when Jesus is comparing the prayers of a Pharisee to a tax collector. In other words, comparing the prayers of this religious superstar, this leader of of, of a religious movement versus a pagan heathen, just a a crook in the day. And now this Pharisee gets up in front of the crowd and he praises this proud prayer. God, thank you. Thank you that I'm not like all of these terrible other sinners around me. And Jesus is telling this story and and, and he highlights the prayer of this tax collector and this tax collector gets up and he says this simple prayer, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, there is more weight, there's more significance, there's greater value in this, this sinner's prayer, this tax collector's prayer than this Pharisee's prayer. You see, it's only when we realize just how merciful God has been to us that we can, t- we can begin to move in compassion towards others. It's only when we realize just how merciful God has been to us that we can learn to sacrifice our self-comfort in order to bring others comfort. Apart from the mercy of God, we cannot grow in mercy. We cannot grow in mercy. Our merciful God enables us to become merciful people. And so take this, take, take an inventory of your life. I'm not a merciful person, but I want to grow in mercy. I want to become a merciful person, become this kind of kingdom person. How do I do that? Do I regularly feel compassion towards those in need? Am I willing to sacrifice self-comfort in order to bring others comfort? And my God, have I experienced your mercy in my life? If I haven't, God, would you open my life to experience it on a personal level? I don't want to just hear about it. I don't, want, I don't want to just understand it. I don't want to cognitively get it. I want to get it down here. I want to feel and experience on a personal level your mercy, the mercy test. Now, I want to move on to purity. I want to move on to purity. Um, in fact, um, Diane, while you're back there, you might want to just scoot Joyce Diane out, the, the, your baby girl out here for just a few moments because we're going to, have some college kid talk here. We don't want little ears to, to be bothered. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Friends, there's so many ways we can talk about purity. Um, I, I realize that. Blessed are the pure in heart. What, what in the world is Jesus getting at here? Um, by the way, Jesus is talking about sin. Okay, he's, he's talking about sin as a whole. He's not talking about any particular specific area of purity. But for just a few moments, I want to talk specifically with all of us here at ACF on the area of sexual purity, on the area of sexual purity. Now, let me just say from the outset, um, it is completely impossible to try to cover an entire subject like sexual purity in, in just a few moments we have here for a Sunday morning. Uh, in, in fact, um, a couple of years ago, we did a whole series at our midweek gathering, um, you know, called Let's Talk About Sex. And we talked about everything that pertains to sex and sexuality and sexual purity and all that, all that wonderful stuff. And um, people were left uncomfortable. <laughs> people were left flushed in the face. People were left squirming in their seats. And, and my hope today is not to cause you to feel any discomfort or anything like that. But my hope today is to talk honestly. You see, the fact is we're never going to get free from sin in our lives unless we're actually brutally honest with the sin in our lives and come face to face with it. And so my hope is not to cause you to feel uncomfortable. My hope is that we might all walk in freedom, might walk in freedom in this area of sexual purity. Now, furthermore, I realize while I can't cover this entire subject, I realize even in this room right here, Right, I I know that we're a church. I know that we're, you know, a bunch of us are are identify ourselves as Christians, followers of Jesus. But I realize there may be some of us in this room who who think of sexual purity as entirely irrelevant. It's like it's it's like for you it's it's this is just an old school way of thinking. I, I mean, I I don't get down with that. Like if if that's how you want to be, old school conservative, like you know, you wear nothing but turtlenecks and you cover up every part of your skin. Hey, that's cool. You do you. But I'm not I'm not about to. I, I ain't prudish like that. That's not me. That's fine. If that's where you are, just I just ask that you tune in and you just listen in for just a few moments. There may be some of you here again where sexual purity might not be your battle. You're like that's. I get it. I get that that's a thing. I get people struggle with it, but that's just not my struggle. That's fine. I I would ask that you would tune in as well because I'm gonna tell you right now, dealing with sexual purity for for the good you know adolescent years of my life you know a, a lot of people are exposed to you know things like pornography and sexual impurity you know at, at different ages but for for a period of my life you know all my kids oh, I, all my kids all my friends when they were you know dabbling in you know all sorts of kinds of stuff i just i was never drawn to that i was never drawn to that there was a season of my life where i said i will probably never struggle with that that's just not my struggle that's not my battle until it was. Until it was. You see, the enemy is sneaky like that. He will somehow convince you that, no, you don't have to worry about this because this ain't your battle to fight. And all of a sudden, you're like, holy crap. Where did this come from? I never struggled with this, but now I do. And so even if you're here today and you say, this isn't my battle to fight, Dan, please don't tune out. And still yet, for there are some of us here that says, man, this is it. This is, this is my cross to bear in a lot of ways, and this is just, it's hard. It's hard. And so I, w- I want to speak to this just a little bit. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, I pray that you would hear the heart of Jesus in this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now listen, if you're here today, and you're not so sure if you buy into everything you just heard, you're here today and you're like, it still feels irrelevant. It still feels old school, whatever, you know, um, you fill in the blank. Um, I just want to tell you that's okay. If you, if you don't buy into everything you just heard, everything we just talked about, that, that's okay. We're, we're not here to strong arm you into believing something that you don't want to believe in. That's not our goal. Here at ACF, we never wanna shove something down your life and and say, you gotta believe this, you gotta buy into this, And, and if you're not there, that's okay, that is not the goal. But if I can ask of you just one thing, one thing this morning, it would be this. I would simply ask that you consider this. If Jesus is truly trying to teach us this new and better way to live, this kingdom way to live, could it be that your life and my life would actually be better if we were to become more merciful people with the people in our lives. Could my life truly and actually be better if I learned to pursue purity of heart, that that I lived as one who was pure in heart, not just in the area of sexual purity, but in every part of our lives, when I take an inventory of sin in my life, can I be identified as one who would be pure in heart? And if I lived in that way, could it be that my life would actually be better? Could it be? Could Jesus be showing us the greatest life hack ever by teaching us how to live in this new and better way? Listen, if after some serious thought, you arrive at an answer with a firm, no, I don't think my life would be better. That's totally cool. We love you. We still hope you would continue to join us and, and, and hear the preaching of God's word here at ACF. If, you're, if your conclusion is no, my life wouldn't be better, Dan. I, I don't think so. That's fine. I can respect that. But I just ask that you don't jump to that conclusion without giving it some serious consideration. And my hope for you, every single one of you, Christian or not, follower of Jesus or not, grown up in the church or not, is that you might experience the wonderful promises of God. Blessed are the merciful, for you shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall see God. That's the promise that's right before each and every one of us. My hope is that at some point in your journey, you might experience the fullness of these promises. May you see the face of your Father in heaven standing before you, ready to extend mercy without end. That's my prayer. Amen, church.